The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. If you like our show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. And by the way, if you'd like your own podcast, kids, you could be the next big podcast star. Go to pod617.com. We can produce the whole thing for you. Find out about it. Get in touch with us. Let's talk. Pod617.com. This here, the Boston Podcast, is the show where we present to you the stories of your city through the voices of your city. And great guest today, and apropos of everything that's going on in the world of, of schooling, and a great guest for many other reasons. We have attorney Matt Plain on the line from the law firm of Barton Gilman, and Matt does, he represents schools, he, so he can talk to you about why your, your claims about being pissed off at your school system because of all this hybrid nonsense are either uh, nonsense or maybe you have an argument. I don't know. We'll get into some of that kind of stuff. He's also got a podcast called The Legal Lowdown Podcast we're going to talk about. So without further ado, here is uh, Matt Plain in the virtual studio. Welcome, my friend. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Pretty good. Pretty good. How has your pandemic been? All things considered, not bad, Dave. Not yep. bad. I'm fortunate. Can you do most of what you do from home and, and virtually? Since March 13th. Since March 13th of last year, Friday the 13th, that's when the governors of very states shut down schools. Many businesses followed suit. And I was 100% virtual from March 13th through July, and then in and out of the office in person from here and there, but for the most part, working remotely and enjoying it. So you have an interesting background, and you maybe can sympathize with these teachers kind of arguably cut between a rock and a hard place here. You taught. You taught in schools for several years. Is that right? Yes. I was a seventh grade teacher for three years and an eighth grade for one. And I coached football, wrestling, and baseball along the way. And I'll say that teaching is a hard job on a good day. Yeah. And so teaching amid the pandemic is among the hardest things I can envision, at least professionally. Mm-hmm. Do you have any memorable stories about the kids playing pranks on you? It was all fun and games, Dave. <laughs> From the day I started till the day I took my early retirement in education. Mm-hmm. And extremely fond memories of working really hard and having seen some great successes uh, with the education that was delivered in Randolph County, North Carolina. Hmm. What did you like about it? It was fun. It was exciting. It was extraordinarily fulfilling to see the kids learn and grow as as learners and students. And it was extremely challenging Mm -hmm. because you have a classroom full of students that come from various backgrounds with varying needs and a responsibility to deliver education that's appropriate for each and every one of them. And it's not a one-size-fits-all business. So I think what the your average citizen doesn't fully contemplate is how 
comprehensive that job is each and every day. The only thing I have to compare it to is I was a camp counselor for five or six years, and I remember counseling, (laughs) is that the word, camp counseling, kids of that age. And that's an age where sixth and seventh grade, I'm thinking, they're, they're still not adults. There's still a lot about them that's immature, but they're a sort of, you sort of get peeks into what they might be as, as an adult. Is, am I right about that, do you think? Or? Yeah, I think that's a, a good way of describing it. What's interesting about the middle school student, too, in every grade level has interesting components to it, particularly in the middle school. With one child, you don't know which personality you're going to have attend that day <laughs> right. because they're going through so much socially, emotionally, and otherwise that it's a difficult time to navigate anyway. And then you lop on top of that their academics, their social pressures and challenges, sports and extracurriculars, and their family lives. And it's it's a you know, it's a time of life when most people have hyper awareness of what they went through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I have fond memories from middle school, but I definitely have memories. Gym class was always harrowing. That was, that that's that, <laughs> that's that. I mean, and just that you know, it's portrayed in so many like movies, like the what's what's the one that um, the guy from Massachusetts writes? Oh my goodness, he draws. It's based on a book with the oh, little, Diaries of Wimpy. Yes, of course, Diaries of of a Wimpy Kid, and th- that that to me that. The, the movie adaptation, at least the first one, was kind of spot on. Like you're, you're constantly worried about being popular and not being the, the lowest on the popularity scale in school. And then you have to go into gym class and, you know, maybe wear a jockstrap for the first time in front of your friends. And it's, it's just, it can be nightmarish. Anyway, I give you a lot of credit. So the, the thing with schools now is complicated, right? And you know, I, I, my kids are older. My youngest is in college, so I, I don't have this firsthand. But as I, as I gather it, there's, there's in Massachusetts and elsewhere, there's a lot of pushback from the, from the teachers to go back full time. There's push, there's pushback on the other side from parents who have to go back to work and are sick of having the kids around and really would like to return back to normal. What's your view of the landscape from where you sit being involved in legal issues on this stuff? I would say from, Every single stakeholding group, there's a push to go every single way you can go. (laughs) Right. Full in-person, full distance, hybrid, coming from parents, coming from students, coming from teachers, administrators, other community members. It's challenging. And there's, unfortunately, a significant amount of finger pointing when I think we can all collectively inaccurately point at the pandemic as the cause for the angst Mm -hmm. within the delivery of public school education right now. First and foremost, you got to deliver education safely. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all assume that all the folks involved in public school education have that at the forefront of their consciousness. And that to the extent that they're undertaking the delivery of their job in a particular manner that another one doesn't like. It's not because they're trying to make life difficult for someone, but they're trying to ensure safety of faculty, staff, administration, students in the community. And who, who are your clients in this? You, I, I thought that if I have this right, you rep, you represent schools. Does that mean you're, you might be on the other side of the table from 
teachers unions or tell me about your clients? Martin Gilman's clients in the education arena are traditional public school districts, charter public schools, non-traditional public schools like state and career and technical education schools. We have some private and independent schools as well. A bulk of my practice is devoted to the representation of schools of choice or charter schools. And I, I work with schools in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York. And so sometimes there's bargaining units involved and that would involve the teachers unions. Other times there's not. And either way, the discussions are similar. Mm-hmm. There's there's a faculty component and those fa- the faculty appropriately want to ensure that they're returning to work in a safe way and that the environment, their work setting will be safe. That's certainly understandable. Administration wants to make sure that's the case as well. And we're doing this at a time when we're getting guidance from the state departments of education, from the state departments of health. We're all looking to the CDC and the federal government to weigh out on this as well. So we know how to do it. We operate within particular parameters and those parameters are set up to ensure to the extent possible safety. Mm-hmm. And what, and by the way, I should, I should point out Matt is in the Providence office of Barton Gilman and best place to send people if they want more info about your, your, the website of the firm. www.bglaw.com. That's right. Okay. And if you add a slash and put podcast after that, you'll get the podcast that, that Matt is involved in the legal lowdown podcast. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Now, what, what, what was your inspiration beside behind getting into this, into the podcast game, other than that it's the best thing you can possibly do. So says me at pod six, one, seven. So that was an idea of our marketing director, Diana Baudet, uh, collaboratively with our digital media consultant from Dauntless advertising, Glenn Fontaine. And they brought it to us and said, what about this? So you're probably familiar with the traditional Cravath style law firm and the way in which we deliver information to our various constituencies. Kind of the traditional way these days is you might hold lunch and learns where you have a thought leader come to your office and you have crackers and cheese and coffee and juice and you invite 500 people and you're thrilled that 15 show up and there's time, energy and resources that go into setting it up and coordinating and getting the conference room and getting the PowerPoint set up and great. So that still happens or will happen when we get through this difficult component of life. Mm. And then you have instances where you send out maybe client newsletters. Now that's changed over the last decade. We used to print them, on glossy paper and send them out to our mailing list. Now with constant contact, you can set up a template, fill in your content and distribute it to 10,000 people with a click. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to do it too. Folks are doing blogs. I do one as well. We get things out through social media, whether that's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it's going to be. But all of that involves somebody uh, reading something, Mm -hmm. which is, great. And we still anticipate that our various constituencies will read. But these days, particularly in the last 13 months, we know that folks are on their Pelotons Mm -hmm. and are walking their COVID puppies around the neighborhood. And they're juggling (laughs) kids at home and working from home and 
adult children who were in cities that have moved back into the basement in tons of different components of life that are competing for your time. And so particularly in the last 13 months, the podcast has been an extremely effective way for us to give information and input to our various constituencies, our clients, our network, our collaborators, so they can get on iTunes or get on their iPhone with their earbuds while they're walking around the neighborhood and listen and get some insight into new federal legislation that was passed that's going to impact their job or impact their education or hear an interesting component in, of healthcare mm-hmm. and to give them information that they may use to dig deeper into something. And so it's been, it's set up to change the way we deliver free, useful content to our clients in our communities. Are, are they called COVID puppies? Because if they're purchased during the pandemic, those are COVID, pup, those are COVID puppies that you have to buy. I, Dave, I don't know where you live, but my neighborhood, it seems like every other, every week that I do my normal midday walk, there's a new dog yapping uh, at whenever I take a left turn, which yeah. is great. Uh, the, the dogs are the big winners in the pandemic. The, they're, the owners are constantly around. There's always somebody that wants to walk them because it's the, it's, for some people, it's the one chance they get to go outside during the day. And and I think I think a lot of people did purchase puppy. Took the occasion to get a, a dog at, during this period, and so now it'll be interesting to see the fallout because there was already a lot of pushback from people who were leery of the emotional support dog showing up on planes and everything. I have a feeling the the, the dogs aren't going away uh, anytime soon. Anyways, you don't have a dog yourself, I take it. No, I have a dog. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pre pre COVID. There we go. There's a great dog. That's not him, but I'm, no. if any Amazon person comes within a thousand feet of my house, you're going to hear Hugo trying to participate <laughs> in this podcast any second. And but. and that'll probably happen a few times. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet since the Amazon people. Amazon is one of the other big winners of the pandemic. Anyway, we, we digress. So the I, I noticed you you said some great things about podcasting and what and how it can be used by businesses. Obviously, you, you work at a law firm. It, it would apply, I gather, to any professional service firm. It looks like you also invite on the show as guests, experts that may be people in your network, maybe clients, or but but certainly some some outsiders. Tell me about that. So Zoom, in Google, and other platforms has have made it such that we don't need to drive to a studio and sit with production people behind the glass in order to appear on a podcast or participate in a podcast. So one thing we're, one of the many things we're finding that are, that's more convenient about our new normal. And I, I'll, I'll butcher or I'll, I'll pound that term into the ground over the next coming days and months is that folks can get on our podcast sitting at their home office with their laptop, as long as they have a microphone. Mm -hmm. And because we can do it while we're on a video platform, you can engage in a normal dialogue and it look, you're just having a conversation and we can record that, get the first cut out to people and they can do it. 
And so we're, we have 40 lawyers and they're all great. And they all know a lot about a lot. Mm. And we love to showcase their expertise because we feel like if we can deliver that to people and they can consume that particularly for free, that's a benefit. Uh, but we've also realized that when you have other folks on that have something to offer as well, then it it's the benefit is multifold mm -hmm. because we get to learn from that person. Our listeners get to benefit from that person. And then the network multiplies because we'll get it out by constant contact and all the other channels I talked about earlier. And so will our, our guests, their network will get it out the same. So to the extent you have something good, you don't want to make that the best kept secret. If it's good, the whole purpose of doing it is so people can get that information. And so the better you can leverage your networks to get that out, the better you'll serve. And so we found that in an effective way. And it's fun. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's far more fun to catch up with someone, be it you know, someone who's a source of business for you, a client, or just maybe a, a professional that you respect very much. It's, it's a lot more fun to invite them to be a guest on the podcast than it is to say, Let's get it. Let's get on a, a Zoom call and have a cup of coffee. You know, it's, it's, you know, I don't think anyone's looking forward to that at all anymore. And I got to figure that's going to continue into the future. The, the, you know, the ability to, you know, we, our studio is open in Westwood, Mass, but, but most people are still producing podcasts remotely, which we're perfectly fine with because, as you know, you can make, you can create a podcast that is, you know, probably ninety five percent of the of the quality of audio that you would do it if it were in person, and uh, and the other benefit of the whole thing is you know your your guest gets you know the the guest is going to be grateful to you and the firm for featuring them. You're letting them tell their story and show off their expertise, right? Yeah, it's a good way to to expand your your network, expand your base, and have a have a friend that's yeah. outside of the firm that you know you can flip through your Rolodex and find to say, Jane Doe, she's an expert. I had her on my podcast. She's the go-to person in XYZ industry mm -hmm. and hopefully vice versa. But another point you made, Dave, I'm pretty fun to have a cup of coffee with. <laughs> so you know, just think about that before you make additional comments. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Strike that from the record. <laughs> All right. We can have some coffee tomorrow or something. I, I just, I just think, I know, I, of course I know you are, but I just think the, the grabbing a coffee thing won't go be fully back into vogue for perhaps, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe January of next year, just because we're in this weird period now where people are starting to get vaccinated, but not everybody's vaccinated. Not everybody's comfortable. Yeah. yeah you know, not everybody's comfortable, comfortable getting together in person. And so it's it's a good avenue to do it. I, I enjoyed the the episode. You had our mutual friend Greg Perry on the an, an episode of of your show, and Greg, for those that don't know, is also Providence based and has is an expert in PR, crisis communications, marketing, that sort of thing. But I wonder if you had him on just because of his voice, because he's got that radio voice, Greg Perry. All of your listeners, Dave, right now need to go and listen to that or Greg Perry in some other setting because it, it's something else. It is. It, it elevated our game just having him on. But yeah, no, Greg's great, significant expertise. We go back a ways anyway, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And to your point about the cup of coffee versus being on the podcast, mm. when you have a friend and you know they have expertise and you haven't caught up, 
and you can get together to record a podcast together. It's fun and it's productive and it's something that you can go back to and you hopefully it's helpful to folks out there that are listening. Yeah. Usually it is. I found. It's what I tell people. It's the, it, it, you don't get that as much with, I mean, a blog blogs live forever. So, but, but, but they don't have the same intimacy that podcasts have, you know, speaking engagements are, are great when we used to do them, but, but, you know, they're kind of one and done, you know, with a podcast, someone, you sh- and you should think about this. I, I tell people if, if someone's, if I'm going to hire a lawyer and I want to do my due diligence and find out everything I know about the person and, you know, their track record and background and all that. When I do a Google search, if you're if they're if they've appeared on someone's podcast or if they have their own podcast, I'm going to get to listen to them. I'm going to get it like from the horse's mouth. And you can you can develop much more, you know, warm and an opinion, for lack of a better word, of someone by listening to them you know, have a conversation. And sometimes, you know, you invite your friends on, sometimes they'll share things on the podcast that they haven't shared with you personally. And it's, it's weird that it's, it's like being on Oprah's couch sometimes. Right. So again, the podcast is the legal lowdown podcast from, from Barton Gilman and find that on bglaw.com slash podcast. Go to that website for all the info on how to get in touch with Matt. And I assume you can find the, the show on Apple podcasts and other places. Indeed. Okay. Any place you find your podcast, as we'd like to say. So let me ask you one more question just about the state of education before we go, because I, I should have asked it earlier. But I mean, what is your prediction for when schooling will truly get back to normal? Is it will it be next year or will it be earlier than that? It depends on what you mean by back to normal. I guess I mean, because, I guess I mean, in person fully. Oh, if full in person, if I had a Chris, if I was a betting person, I would say the fall of, of mm-hmm. 2021. Yeah. Okay. So I can, if this extends to colleges, I can tell my son, he, his sophomore year of college will, will actually be a normal one. Maybe. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. You can tell him that. Okay. Good. Day Matt Plain <laughs> thinks it might be, but he also doesn't have a crystal ball. <laughs> okay. I will, I will provide that caveat. We are going to play a round of good stuff where both Matt and I will recommend something good that you should check out if you're still at home, if you're bored something that will brighten your day. Before we do that, let me take one minute to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. As we've discussed, perhaps even ad nauseum, we've discussed in this episode, my fault, that the values of having a podcast for a business, it's a great way to connect with your network, with your followers, your clients, and you invite them on the show. They're dazzled by the production quality that we create here at pod617.com. You can do it remotely still, or you can come to our Westwood Mass Studios. We will send you a quality USB mic, not one of those crappy ones. If you, if you want to produce it from home, we'll take care of the intro music, outro music, everything in between. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod, we trust. All right, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right, Matt, our listeners are waiting with bated breath. Do you have something good to recommend to them? I'm going to recommend a show. Great. So if you folks are anything like me during the pandemic, you've been looking for a series that you can watch on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. And I've had some good ones, Succession, Billions, Mm. shows I really got into. And I've gone through a drought in the last, I don't know, three or four months where I haven't had a series that was gripping and I couldn't wait to watch. Yeah. 
And just last night, I started one. And it's a little different than the normal type of show I take on, because I think I just told you Succession and Billions were some of my pandemic favorites. Mm-hmm. This one was called The Chosen. Mm. And it's a story. It's a it's a kind of like a nighttime drama series, but it's the story. It's the gospel. Mm. And the way that it's introduced, I've only seen one episode, but you're not unlike other biblical type historical accounts that are in video or film, it doesn't just lay out the characters right away and you know who everyone is and you know what's happening because it aligns what you learned in CCD or or Mm. Sunday school when you were a kid. They introduce characters the way they do in a lot of modern nighttime dramas. Wow. In nighttime series. And so for episode one, we we saw the development of characters and they, they translate it in such a way that it, it sounds like people would talk these days. Mm-hmm. They joke, they kid with each other. There's side stories about mm. the characters that help develop them. And episode one was was extremely interesting, a lot of fun. And you just saw characters that you've heard about probably your whole life, uh, just saw them come into, into life or into the setting in such a unique way. I thought it was really well done. And I can't wait to watch a second episode. Wow. I just have, I happen to call it up here. Here's the, the trailer for the chosen. Let's take a listen. And well, Matt and I can watch you guys are going to have to listen. For it. I have something for you. For me. Throw this down for a catch. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher, but we've been doing this all night. Nothing. This is the show, right, Matt? This is it, okay. All right. <laughs> that was good to make sure. So we're looking at a scene on a boat, fishermen. We'll listen to a little bit more of this. Hopefully they'll actually talk. here is incredible. Everything that grows here is immaculate. Except for the people. You're such a miserable lot. You worship one God, and yet you're all divided. Only one language keeps their peace. Learn to speak it. You are the great Nicodemus. I serve only God. Yes. Yes, so do your enemies. Rogue preachers in the wilderness, raving about a coming Messiah. Sam, you're scared. I've lost everything. Burned every bridge. If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. I'm trapped. No more talking, Simon. Maybe God can get your attention now. Wow. Very interesting. And interesting to think that back in biblical times, everybody worshipped a a different God and that caused so much problems. Thank God we've sorted that all out, you know, in modern times. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. It's at least episode one was really interesting, a lot of fun to watch. And like I said, can't wait to see episode two. Yeah, and you've stumped me. Like, I, I haven't heard of this show at all because i like you i'm always looking for the next big thing it's one thing just to to watch tv or have it on in the back but to to really engage in this which is really you know it's the golden age of of the new golden age of television and i feel sometimes i feel like i'm about to get to the last screen of netflix but i'm going to check this one out it's interesting i'll I'll look into this more just to comment on the website says it's it's the the chosen is the number one crowdfunded media project of all time how about that? How about that? I will recommend a documentary, and 
it's a, it's kind of a bummer, but it's a, it's very well done. And uh, Matt had me thinking about schools, and sadly, there was a a tragedy that occurred in. 1988 in Kentucky when a school bus collided with an an oncoming drunk driver. And this is a documentary called Impact After the Crash. So let's listen to a little bit of this trailer. What would I feel like as a parent if if my children had been involved um, in, in an incident like that? I was at home during that day. I, the first indication of um, what had happened was on the news. And of course, then the next day it was on the on the news all over the all over our country. Well, on May 14th, 1988, uh, I was actually a sergeant assigned to Post 5 Lagrange the night that the uh, bus crash happened. Ironically, I was off on leave time studying for a promotional exam that was coming up, but that was actually my shift in my sector that another sergeant had had taken. A couple of days after the crash, I returned uh, to work to my assignment, and it was uh, it was devastating. Uh, so you get just a little taste. That was you heard Kentucky's first lady, and then obviously a sergeant who responded to the accident. So, and I'll leave it to you viewers to check it out on your own. It's on Amazon Prime called "Impact After the Crash," but it's 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 quite a story. It was a, a drunk driver going in the wrong direction on a highway. the The bus driver didn't have um, time enough to react and the results were tragic there were just do- dozens of kids who were were actually burned alive inside the bus what happened was th- they a lot of them weren't killed on the impact and this led to questions later about how we blame the drunk driver of, of course but there was also some blame to go around for the whoever constructed the bus because it was it it just was wrong it created this this basically oven and uh, but as as with any of these stories that they're also good at showing the inspiration that came out of it and the people that that survived there was one young man who was just extremely burned to the point where his face is is disfigured there's no other way to say it and yet he still got on with his life and actually played division 1 college football and was and was good at it and so it's it's kind of cool to hear that so there you go. So I hate to end on a bummer. You haven't you haven't you haven't you haven't seen that documentary, have you, Matt? I haven't. You know, no, but it does seem extremely interesting. Yeah, I don't even remember that news of that at the time. I don't know what I was doing in 1988, but so that's a good take. And the crash wasn't good stuff, but the documentary is good stuff. Anyway, back to to Matt. Just to let people know again, find him at BG Law. Dot com. Find, you'll find the podcast there and all the information how to get in touch with Matt. And as he has made abundantly clear, he is a great person to get a, a virtual cup of coffee with, whether it's virtual or anything. So I encourage you to reach out to Matt if you're so inclined. I hope you enjoyed yourself, Matt. Dave, thanks for having me. I did. Great to, great to talk with you. Very good. See, that's the way a pro podcaster does it. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this show, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend, please, someone who's interested in this stuff. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of Matt, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great day.